How do we fight temptation? Anyone who takes the spiritual life seriously or who sincerely desires to grow in their faith sooner or later faces the reality of their own sinfulness. They start to realize how hard it is to actually stop sinning. And each of us have different things that tempt us, but we all share the common experience of temptation in our lives and how difficult it can be to break free from some of these temptations. The devil is trying to destroy our lives, and he's relentless. He doesn't give up. And so what are we to do whenever we are confronted with his power? In today's gospel, we see Jesus himself was tempted. And so the good news about that is to first recognize that the temptation itself is not a sin. But our response to the temptation could be a sin. But just the mere fact that you're tempted doesn't say anything about your degree of holiness. Because Jesus himself was tempted as well. The good news about Jesus is that he conquered temptation and sent the enemy away. We can see that Jesus really was tempted in the desert. Before he began his public ministry, he spent 40 days fasting in the desert. And the first temptation that the enemy brought to him was to break his fast. He says, if you're the son of God, prove it by turning this bread into stone. I'm sorry, to stone into bread. Of course, Jesus doesn't even negotiate with the devil. He doesn't even give him a moment to think about it. He just immediately says, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Truly a temptation, though. You can imagine how hungry Jesus must have been having no food in the desert for 40 days. The second temptation was to... Oh, shoot. Losing my brain of thought. Hold up. Second temptation was to, oh yeah, all the kingdoms of the world. So he he says, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. We'll reveal your power and your glory. All of these kingdoms can be yours at just a snap of a finger if you worship me. And this is a real temptation as well for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came not just for the Jews, but for all the nations. Jesus wanted all peoples to come to the Father through him. You can imagine this was a real temptation that Jesus desired to reveal himself to all kingdoms, but of course, not in the way the devil has it. And so he doesn't even give it any thought. He just immediately turns to the devil and says, no. Third temptation, he says, to get at the top of this temple, throw yourself down, let the angels guard you and carry you down to your feet, and everybody will see that you're obviously God. You're obviously divine. If you jump up that high, everybody watches the angels guard you. Nobody will doubt. You can imagine this was a real temptation as well, because Jesus desires that all of us would come to believe in him. Jesus desires that none of us would doubt And so the devil gives him an opportunity to make it easy for everybody. But Jesus doesn't negotiate with the devil. What are we supposed to do when we are tempted? Jesus conquered the enemy, and the enemy doesn't give up. And the good news about this is that we too, by the power of Jesus Christ, 
can conquer the enemy. I'd like to teach you um, some tools, equip you today with um, three practical tools that we can use in our fight against the enemy. Um, you can remember it with an acronym BIT, B-I-T. So bit by bit, we're going to beat the enemy with God's grace. And these rules are these tools come from uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who's a wonderful saint who um, one, of the, one of the things that he, he gave to the church is that he, he examined the tactics of the enemy and how convincing and luring these tactics can be. And he was able to bring great clarity and great understanding for all of us so that we're prepared to take action against the enemy whenever we smell his stench. Bit by bit, we're going to beat the enemy. B-I-T. These, um, this acronym that I'm about to um, teach you comes from St. Ignatius's rules for discernment. Uh, there's 14 rules. We're not going to go into all of those. We don't have enough time. If you'd happen to be interested in that, I'm happy to point you in the right direction outside of Mass to show you where you can learn more. But the last three of his 14 rules, 12, 13, and 14, talk about temptation. So rule 12 is this, that the enemy is strong in the face of weakness and weak in the face of strength. The enemy is strong in the face of weakness and weak in the face of strength. So... This past Wednesday was my birthday, Ash Wednesday. How was it? It was the worst because it was Ash Wednesday. Um, someone was so kind enough to get me a cookie cake on my birthday. They even delivered it to the office. How amazing on Ash Wednesday. <laughs> and so I made the decision right there in the beginning as soon as it showed up. I just made the decision. I mean, of course, I, I gave the person a hug. I told them thank you. I was so grateful they thought about me. I really do love cookie cake, so it was exciting. But I made the decision right in the beginning that I'm not even going to look at it. I'm just going to wait till Thursday. So I, I, you know, took the cake, said thank you, all that, put the cake away, didn't even look at it. Firm in the beginning. I wasn't even tempted. The rest of Ask Wednesday goes on, and I wasn't even tempted to eat the cookie cake. The next day, Thursday, um, get to the office, and I begin the day with a slice of cookie cake. It was good. So I just, you know, thought, well, hey, it's my birthday. Got another, another slice. No big deal. Lunch time, got another slice. <laughs> that Thursday night, someone else brings me a cake, this time from Costco, the tuxedo cake from, top, from Costco. If you've ever had it, it's to die for. It's literally the best thing ever. So it's just so soft and layers of chocolate. It's just awesome. So I had that for, I had a slice of that for dinner on Thursday, Friday morning. It's a Lenten Friday. Should probably not partake of this cake, but it's in my house. And after I have my cup of coffee, I just think, you know, it's my birthday week. And really, I'm not a sweets person, to be honest, and I really don't eat sweets hardly ever, so I even use that. You know, I really almost never eat sweets. What's, I mean, let's just, you know, you, you, um, you only live once, and um, life is short, so eat dessert first. So before I ate breakfast, I ate a slice of cake. Then I, for lunchtime, it was there, and I ate lunch in my kitchen, and in eyesight, I can see that cake. I ate another slice, 
and uh, ate it again for dinner. And Saturday morning, woke up, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm like nauseated. <laughs> for someone who doesn't eat sweets, look how much sweets I've eaten in 24 hours. I gave the enemy space. I was negotiating with him. I gave him an opportunity to flirt with me. I gave him room in my heart to increase my desire for something that's not good. The enemy, when faced with weakness, is very strong. He gets stronger and stronger the more space we give him. But when faced with strength, the enemy is very weak. If we're firm in the beginning, he can't touch us. And so the first part of the acronym, B-I-T, B is be firm in the beginning. Be firm in the beginning because the more time that you negotiate and procrastinate and give the devil space in your life, he gets stronger and stronger until we're defeated. That's rule number 12. Rule number 13, the second we'll talk about today, is that the enemy loves to keep things hidden. He loves to keep secrets. The enemy loves to hide in darkness. So uh, a great story. One of my favorite saints is St. Therese. More on her later. But um, one of the things about her, she greatly desired growing up to be a Carmelite nun at a very young age. Okay, And um, it was just a, that was just her life's dream to be a Carmelite nun. And she desired this for many years. She finally was able to enter the convent, and as you enter the convent, you have a number of years of formation before you make your final vows. And she, uh, again, desired to make her final vows just with such great enthusiasm for many years. Never a doubt in her mind. Until the week before her final vows. The week before, she starts to doubt. She starts to think, wow, I wonder if God really wants me to do this. She starts to almost condemn herself of, look how much pride you have to think that you could actually be a Carmelite nun. All of this was your own doing and not God's will. And she starts to tear herself apart within her with doubt. Well, she even makes a plan that she's just going to have to tell her mother uh, superior that she's just not going to be able to do final vows. But before she does so, she decides to inform her novice master. So this is the person that was in, in charge of her formation, just to inform what's going on inside of her heart. And she describes it like this, that as soon as the words came out of her mouth, it was as if the doubt was dissipating in the air. Just as soon as she brought it to light by informing a wise spiritual person, as soon as she brought it out to light, that the enemy had no power over it. That doubt was exposed for what it really was, a tactic of the enemy. And she regained her enthusiasm to make her final vows. But this can happen in our own life as well. Sometimes we keep things hidden within us. We get discouraged. Or we start to judge others. We start to doubt God's existence or God's love, God's presence, his providence. Or maybe we start to hold a grudge of bitterness within us. And these secret sins that are hidden within us, we just bottle it up inside and they continue to fester and grow. 
But St. Ignatius instructs, this is the I, to inform wise spiritual persons, to bring it to light, because very often that's all it takes. And even if not, then at least by informing a wise spiritual person, now you have support and encouragement from someone else who knows the tactic of the enemy. So B, be firm in the beginning, I, inform wise spiritual persons. The 14th rule, the third that we're going to talk about today, is that the enemy likes to strike at our weakest point. He likes to identify where we're the weakest and fester and pester us in that same spot over and over again. Why? Because the enemy is a coward. He's not going to face us where we're strong. He's going to identify our weak point and always strike there. So, for example, this is like the self-made man who grew up kind of poor, had a lot of driven ambition within him and started his own business and got a lot of success and started to make some money for himself, providing for his family and building his confidence. Now he has a healthy 401k and he's living his best life. But as he sees the, the economy starting to get a little shaky, he's filled with anxiety As he sees others starting to get success in their own business, he's a little jealous about their success. He starts to worry about his 401k. He starts to work extra hours in his life to the neglect of his family because he's building his whole foundation on this materialistic greed. He doesn't even realize that his weakest point is this greed, and the enemy just pesters him over and over again in this one moment of weakness. We all have a weakest link, whether that is a sin of greed, a sin of vanity, a sin of lust, a sin of bitterness, a sin of anger and impatience. We all have some kind of weak link within us, and the enemy knows it perhaps better than we do sometimes, and he will keep striking at our weak point. So what are we to do? Well, first, we need to identify what our weak point is so that we can strengthen it. But ultimately, our strength comes from the Lord, not ourselves. And so what we're really supposed to do is, T, turn to the Father. Turn to God the Father as sons and daughters. St. Paul says that if we're sons and daughters, we are also heirs. Heirs to the kingdom. Heirs to God's grace. Heirs to God's power and glory in the face of evil. If we turn to the Father in our weakness, suddenly we become big in God's grace. And the enemy flees, even in our weakest point. You'll notice in today's gospel that the enemy tries to strike Jesus right at the core of his identity. He says, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. If you are the son of God, jump off this temple and let the angels guide you down. If you are the son of God, he's challenging his identity. He's trying to poison Jesus with just a little bit of doubt in his identity so that he doesn't trust the father. Well, it worked for Adam and Eve. 
but not for Jesus. Jesus knew his identity as a son. And you and I are strongest whenever we live in that identity as well. So how are we to fight the enemy? Bit by bit, by God's grace. B, be firm in the beginning. Don't give the enemy any space or time. Don't negotiate. Don't justify. And don't procrastinate. I, informs wise spiritual persons, whether that is a priest, a friend, a family member, Someone in this church parish, as long as they have a prayer life, they probably know at least a little bit of the tactics of the enemy. And as we bring it to light, we don't have to bottle it all in. The enemy doesn't have any more power over us. T, turn to the Father. Don't rely upon yourself. I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy's stronger than you. But if we turn to the Father, as a son or a daughter... The enemy cannot stand. We have the power and glory of God Most High living and acting within us, ready to squash the enemy at his first sighting. Bit by bit, we can conquer the enemy with God's grace. He cannot stand if we remain close to the Father. Amen.